All right, all right. Let's see if we get that go away. Welcome in, welcome in. This is the Joe Gaither Show, a part of the Bama Central Broadcasting Network. Very, very excited. Let's see if we can get rid of that music real quick. Very excited to have show number two, show number two underway. Welcome in to the Bama Central Broadcasting Network, the Joe Gaither Show. Woo! Hopefully we're going to have a, a lot of fun just like we did yesterday. I want to invite you guys to jump in and join the show on the Twitter machine at JoeGaither6. You can find Bama Central at Bama Central. Send us your comments, questions, your queries, and complaints right there. We're also live on YouTube and on Facebook as well. So you can jump in and join us by adding your comments right there if you want to do that. We're going to have hopefully fun show today. We're going to have a lot of fun. Oh, I probably need to shut that door. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun today, and we're going to talk about Alabama baseball. Alabama baseball is getting kicked off today up at the Hoover Met, going to take on the Kentucky Wildcats. I appreciate everybody who jumped in and joined us on the show yesterday with our friend Chris Walsh. If you missed any of that, you can find it right there on Spotify. We're working to get all those podcasts out to all the podcasting platforms. It's a work in progress, and we're having a lot of fun. But today on the show, we're talking SEC baseball, and we're going to be joined by our colleagues, two of our colleagues, Mr. Austin Hannon and Mr. Will Miller. Austin Hannon spent some time with Nick Saban this morning, so we're going to hear from hear about that. And both the guys are up at the Hoover Met uh, watching the SEC baseball tournament, trying to uh, see if Alabama is going to advance into the weekend or not. It's a big day, so without further ado, we're going to bring in our friend Will Miller. Will, what's going on on a Tuesday? Joe, how are you, man? I'm just here in Hoover where Tennessee, led fearlessly by former Alabama standout Zane Denton, has just gotten underway against Texas A&M in the second game of the day, so already underway with some baseball action here at the Met. Absolutely. So, yeah, tennis, uh, we, we saw South Carolina take care of business this morning against the Georgia Bulldogs, and now Tennessee is up. But really all eyes are on the Crimson Tide, for, at least in, in our neck of the woods. And we got news yesterday from uh, head co- from interim head coach Jay Jackson that Hunter Furtado was going to get the start of the day. Hunter Furtado, you know, he's – been kind of a, a bullpen kind of bullpen kind of fill-in guy. Tell us what can we what can we expect with him going out on the mound today? Well, Hunter started last time out against Troy and looked like an ace. Every bit the part of an ace. Seven strikeouts in three and two thirds with only one earned run. It was his best outing in an Alabama uniform and it was his first start. So can't go wrong with that. Uh, it seems like Jason's going to try to get some work out of his bullpen arms throughout the day-to-day, which there's a lot of reliability there in the middle innings. And when you get to the back end with the closers, with Hunter having the start he did last time, it does make sense to put him in this position, considering how you want to use some of the other guys in the stable. Well, exactly. It's been a, it's been an interesting year for the bullpen, for, for Alabama. I mean, the year has kind of gone very similarly to, uh, to the rest of the first, through first two quarters of the season, first three quarters of the season, kind of bumpy up and down. And then with the dismissal of, uh, of Brad Bohanna, it seems like not only the bats have gotten into order, but the bullpen has as well. Are, are, are you we seeing just a lot of improvement uh, out of the bullpen, or is it just Jay Jackson using them differently? What what has gone into having better better performances down the stretch of games? I think that you've seen some guys come in that are just better than some of the performances last year and some of their performances earlier this year may have shown. You've seen Alton Davis come in as one of the best freshmen in the league at at the closer spot. You've seen Riley Quick come in and give some great outings. You know, Hagen Banks has been able to deliver a lot more than he did last year with the experience that he's gotten. And those aren't the only names. I think you've just seen a more complete unit that's more confident in their stuff and has gotten better with time. Well, Will, let's let's put a pause real quick in the baseball discussion and let everybody behind the scenes. Will Miller is like one of my best friends in the world, maybe. He, I don't know if he would re- reciprocate that, but Will Miller uh, is not getting a formal introduction because you all know him from his time join- in my previous stop, in my previous show. Will, you also know Austin Hannon, and we're, yes. we're going to be joined by Austin here in just a minute. And Austin is a new colleague of mine. I met him a couple different times. Very smart guy. Let's talk. What kind of questions, what do we want the people to know about Austin Hannon and his media coverage, his life? What, 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 what are some good questions we can get into with Austin? 
Well, I know a lot of people who read his stuff are already aware of this, and we've said it countless times, but Austin is one of the best out there to be so young. I, I've worked with him for a long time, dating back to since our time with the Crimson White newspaper here at the university, and I have great respect for the guy. I can't say enough good things about him. And that's not just because I'm in Hoover with him all week. Stuck here with him in Hoover all week. He's Yeah, he's a fantastic guy, fantastic journalist, and he knows the stuff. It's going to be It's going to be great being here with him this week and like i said we go way back so very familiar with him and uh, he graduated last december so he's really he's really gotten into this field he's hit the ground running he's been doing all the right things like i said i can't say enough about him well austin was up there uh was up there for the coach saban's uh nick's kids golf tournament this morning so when he comes on we'll ask him if coach saban said anything interesting at all will you are you betting that saban uh said anything fun or was it all just uh oh you know we're happy to be here for nick's kids we're happy we want to have a little fun we're you know we're excited about the 2023 team the typical nick saban answers well, I would hope he talked to us a little bit about that Italy trip because I know on Twitter a lot of people spread those pictures around of him in Italy. And that quarter zip he wore in those pictures, by the way, was impeccable. I've never seen the quarter zips in that color before, but it was a great look. But I would hope he talked to everybody about the sights and sound of Europe because I know that's a bucket list destination for myself and a lot of other people. So football notwithstanding, I'd love to hear more about Italy. Were you? Uh, w- would you have been brave enough if you had been vacationing in Italy? Would you have been brave enough to say, "I, I, I think that's Nick Saban," and then not only saying, "I think that's Nick Saban," but going across the street, Coach Saban? I know you've never taken a vacation in your life. I know it's the first vacation that you've ever had. But can I bother you for a selfie? Would you have been a? Uh, <laughs> would you have been brave and stepped in on the Saban on the Saban vacation? Well, for myself, probably not because of my position, but I mean, I have to believe that having grown up in Alabama my whole life and watching football for a majority of the Saban era now, which is crazy to say because I've been watching football for over a decade now, I would have definitely known it was him. Uh, and that, that quarter zip probably would have given it away if we're being honest. I know I harp on that, but you know, I doubt, you know, I want to say that I doubt you'll see many Alabama quarter zips in Italy, but really it's an international brand, so who knows? You get roll tide everywhere, Will, and 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 that's something that, that uh, honestly, it's, it's something that makes me so happy to cover Alabama. To have said that I went to Alabama, and, and, and really, uh, any place I see the logo, my my family makes fun of me because they're all Georgia fans. But you give them a roll tide, and what ninety percent of the time. 85, 90% of the time, you get it right back. And I, I love being a part of the community uh, that, that loves the Tide. And, and I love being a part of the community that, that we have here at Bama Central covering the Crimson Tide. So you guys are up there in Hoover. We're waiting on Austin to join us. What's it going to be in Hoover? Because, Will, if I, I'd have bugged you three or four weeks ago, and you know this. I'd have bugged you and, and, and been saying, oh, we're going to go up to Hoover, going to flame out and not go to a regional and everything is good. The, the, the season's all – you know, hogwash. But now, goodness gracious, after a hot three weeks, maybe the hottest in the in the SEC. What what can we do with this week up there in Hoover? Well, you got to get past this one first because this is the first game, and it's under the single elimination. So, for those familiar with this term, you have to start off by playing single elimination unless you're one of like the top four or five seeds, and Alabama's the number nine seed. So. Playing Kentucky, like you said, Joe, and this is the game that you got to win in order to get to double elimination. So if you lose today, it's over. The, the run in Hoover is over. You're still going to the NCAA tournament. The questions about hosting are still there if you lose today. Still could host. Might or might not. But you're not playing for your tournament life in this game. But the, the run in Hoover is over if you lose this afternoon. If you win, you go into double elimination, which opens up a variety of interesting possibilities. Also means you have a little bit more room for error, objectively speaking. You want to win to the end of the line, and that's that. But this this today, you have the least margin for error out of anywhere in the week. So it's really a initial hurdle that you kind of got to clear to, to make it to – start getting on a run to where you want to go. Well, okay, and that's, that's, a, that's a great point, and that's why we're going to get back to uh, Hunter Furtado and him starting. You mentioned as the kind of setup to today that Jay Jackson might be working and might be using today as a bullpen day. Now I know the Tide 
you know, we, we just gave up. We, we just had our starters play this past week in Luke Holman and the like, the, the traditional starters, uh, Garrett McMillan, and I think Grayson Hitt as well, uh, were, were pitching over the weekend. With so with such little margin for error, Will, is, are, are you surprised that we're, you know, trying to go with a patchwork bullpen day for the tie to get us into the double elimination portion of this tournament? Well, I was a little surprised, Joe, but at the same time, like I said, you're kind of riding the hot hand here with a guy that looked really good, as good as he's ever looked at Alabama last time up. You want to get production from these guys, and you also want to have your starters available to the extent possible. So what that would mean that is if you win the game today, then you basically trot out your weekend guys three games in a row these next upcoming games throughout the rest of the week because the rotation has been so depleted by injury. You have Grayson Hitt, who is your number one guy coming into the year, and he's had Tommy John surgery, and he's going to be out for – that's still a question in and of itself. You have Ben Hess, who's not available. Sophomore, supposed to come into his own this year. Had a few starts. Now he's injured, not available. Garrett McMillan spent the first couple of months out of the year, and he wasn't available. He came back in April. This is a rotation that's dealt with so many injuries. Antoine John, who used to start coming out of the bullpen now at the end of last year, he's supposed to be coming out of the bullpen this year. He had to have, I believe, Tommy John, and he's off the shelf for the year. So this is a unit that's so depleted. You don't have a ton of options when it comes to a theoretical number four. So with Hunter, he's a guy that started really well last time. Like I said, his best outing period since he came over from Wake Forest. Right. So he's against Troy last week. Against Troy last week, three and three and two thirds innings pitch. Excuse me, three and two thirds innings pitch. Only gave up two hits off two or two runs off two hits. Uh, Had seven strikeouts and two walks. Uh, This was one week ago down there at Troy. Yeah, and he just was – he had everything working. He was mixing guys up. He was getting people to swing and miss, which that was a key. Nobody could really figure him out. He limited the walks, still had a couple, but it was just it was his best day, like I said. And if he can do that again today – and I know the SEC is a different league than, than playing Troy, all, all respect to the Trojans, but this is a different environment and atmosphere. But if he can do that – you're going to use your bullpen guys, like I said. A lot of guys can give strong middle innings, and then if, if it's all academic from there, you've set yourself up great to trot out your, your main guys going forward, which I think is what Jason Jackson wants to do and what he wants to set up. All right, so let's say we get past that. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll take the optimistic route here on the Joe Gaither Show on Bama Central, part of the Bama Central Network. Really appreciating Chris Walsh and the Bama Central team bringing us along. Let's take the optimistic route. Will Miller, we beat Alabama beats Kentucky today. Whether it's one to zero, four to five, eleven to nothing, doesn't matter. Alabama beats Kentucky today and ends up having to play. Who your, your your reward for beating Kentucky? You get the number one seed. You get the Florida Gators, who you, you play. You know, you played tough down there in Gainesville. You lost three to nothing, eight to seven, and then you won six to three back in March. What kind of chances are you giving Alabama to tangle with the Florida Gators? Well, Joe, this is a team that first and foremost is playing fantastic ball right now, and that was not necessarily the case entering the Florida series in the regular season. You've also got to remember that even when entering that series in the regular season, it was very competitive. Alabama had a great chance to – win that series down in the swamp so there's a lot to like and there's a lot of confidence with this Alabama team right now knowing that they can hang with the best in the nation and they've done it under all sorts of circumstances so I think that you're really not looking at Florida and thinking wow this is a huge insurmountable task maybe it's a game you're not supposed to win but it's certainly not a game that you go into feeling like you can't win you absolutely feel like you can win that game and if you do that that's huge so I think that the confidence is there. They're playing great baseball. They were competitive with Florida the first time around. That's a game that you're going in and you're very positive about. There's a lot of great perspective going into that game that you're thinking, we can really do something here. It's not just, oh, they're the number one seed and they're all mighty and we've got no shot. That's not how you're looking at it at all. 
Will, you've covered this baseball team all season long, whether it be for Bama Central right here at BamaCentral.com or, or, or other outlets. And we, so you follow the team as close as anyone. And I, I'll be honest, I've been the casual. I've been kind of just following the headlines and just kind of keeping up with it and that sort of thing. So am I a dummy or am I out of line when I say, oh, my gosh, you fire, you fire Brad Bohannon for something extremely nefarious. Uh, the team goes eight and two. The trajectory goes up, 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 and, and, and really, it's an eight and two that that probably could have been ten and zero. Uh, the the team is just has just exploded. So, am I an idiot to say, "Oh my gosh, this uh, what could have been the entirety of the season"? You know, you're, you're entering the last week. You're at number twenty four with D, Division One baseball. Could this have been a top ten team all season long? Could we be? Could we have? a national championship team under the surface of a Brad Bohannon scandal. Well, you know, Joe, not to give a political answer here, but when you, whenever you have a circumstance like that, that was truly unprecedented, uh, there's always those types of questions. And I definitely think that this is a team that's, that's been very good and they've been very good all year. They've competed with all these teams that are at the top of the heap. They've nearly won. They nearly won that first LSU game and that second LSU game, both right down to the wire. It feels to me like they're confident enough to know that, yes, that is a possibility. And now they're going to play with that at the forefront of their mind that, hey, yes, we are this good. We can do this. I mean, it's it's insane how the difference because I admit a little bit of a casual baseball fan, but, but I admit – my perception, and granted, perception not always reality, but my perception of this program was middling, hapless, kind of going nowhere, kind of out there in the doldrums waiting for some wind to come behind the sails. And, it, 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 I mean, I, I'm struggling with two thoughts here, Will. One, that, that, that a college coach would sabotage or, or might, might, allegedly, could, uh you know, do anything nefarious. We don't. We don't know for sure exactly what uh, Brad Bohan's involvement was. But the fact that you know there might be something nefarious going on, and it blows my mind. But then the other thing is to have a team respond so well and to show, okay, this this team really has a lot of ability and ha- and has a lot of want to and has a lot of drive and and has that togetherness. It's it, it's 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 been such a wild story to follow and, and just to. You know, it makes me think of the last four or five years with Brad Bohannon. Oh, Alabama has it so tough without the lottery and Mississippi State giving in-state tuition and Vanderbilt with their advantages, giving full-ride scholarships. Oh, we saw 12 months ago, Will Miller, that Auburn makes it all the way to the College World Series, all the way to the final. And, you know, we're all saying, oh, why can't Coach Bo do that? Why can't we get those that kind of uh, buy and those kinds of results? And Will – Golly, we're we're two weeks away. We're three weeks away. We could be looking at some of those results. Uh, do, do you, are you expecting this Alabama team to continue this run of good play, or are we seeing eight and two? Are we seeing eight and two over these last three weeks, and and, and maybe the gas tank's going to run out here soon? Well, Joe, if if this is truly for real, then the possibilities to me are are very big. You could, you know, especially if they get to host the Tuscaloosa Regional. We know that's been floated around a lot. You're feeling good about that with a win today without saying too much that there will be a Tuscaloosa Regional in the NCAA tournament. If you can clear that important first hurdle, like I said. But you got to also remember, Joe, Alabama has been there before, made the College World Series final twice, made the national championship two times, and really, you know, got carved up by Roger Clemens back in 83, which who hasn't been carved up by Roger Clemens? <laughs> Made it in the 90s, I believe, lost to LSU, which is a team that's right up there this year also. And like I said, the confidence is going to be massive for this team. They're 8-2 coming into this run here in Hoover, looking good to host if you're able to win today. Definitely if you win today and tomorrow, the confidence is flying high and with this team's potential, like you discussed in the previous question, who knows? Anything can happen at this point in the year, and, and it's the postseason. You can never you can never expect the conventional in any college sports postseason, and there's that element to consider as well. There are a lot of possibilities, Joe, and I think one of those possibilities is an extended stretch run deep into June. 
All right, before we bring on our friend Austin Hannon, we're going to do that in just a minute. Will, I want to put you uh, in, in, in a hard t- scenario. Alabama beats Kentucky, loses to Florida, and faces Auburn in the elimination losers bracket. How juicy would that be for, for us as a, as a coverage team, but also just for the tie, Alabama and Auburn in the Hoover elimination game? Well, I'll tell you first thing, Joe, the turnout would be unbelievable. Um, you, you know, I've seen a lot. of Obviously, I've seen my fair. I drove over here. I've seen, and we're far off from the Alabama game at this exact moment. It's not going to start till around 5 p.m. So, I, and I've already seen a lot of the stickers on cars, whether it be the script A or the interlocking AU. It, it would be an incredible turnout, one of the best atmospheres the tournament had seen in a while. Uh, Alabama won that regular season series. You've also got to know in the rivalry, Auburn is going to want it back. And in tournament play, so much changes. It's the postseason, so much changes. Matchup wouldn't be the same. But you you would likely see Garrett McMillan start. He was great against Auburn. Came out in game two of the Auburn series. Had to deliver. It was his second start after he came back from being hurt for two months. And he absolutely dealt. So you know he's going to have – he's probably going to have that performance somewhere in his mind if he were to go back out there again in an elimination setting. And with the way he was last time – you don't feel bad about that pitching prospect. So I do think that Alabama would probably win that elimination game based on the way they pulled together in the Auburn series and finish that off. That'd be so exciting, Will. And that would be a Thursday game. That'd be a Thursday game that we'd all have to pay attention to right here at Bama Central and uh, following the Alabama Crimson Tide. So let's uh, let's, uh, put Will Miller on the shelf real quick. Actually, Will, I will want your help figuring out the best way to talk to Austin, getting some good questions. So we'll we'll be right back to you. We're bringing in Austin Hannon of Bama Central. You know him. You follow him on Twitter at Austin Hannon SI. He's been up at Hoover uh, following the Crimson Tide. He was up there yesterday watching batting practice, and he was out on the golf course earlier today. So, Austin, did uh, did Nick Saban tell you anything fun this morning ahead of the Knicks Kids charity event? Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of started out how you thought it would. Um, he talked about his charity a little bit. Uh, you know, Josh kind of filled us in on how it was going to go. Um, you know, Chris kind of told me how he likes to act at events like this, and he's not going to want questions about, you know, Tony Mitchell and as he's suspended and – you know, obviously some people are going to ask about that, and there's going to be other things that people will know, the quarterback situation, um, which he did talk about a little bit, uh, just a tiny bit. Just a tiny bit. He wanted to fill in that, uh, you know, he likes competition and he likes having five guys in there, including the two freshmen that um, are all battling for that job. And they're all going to get in there, you know, in the middle of June and start camp up and um, start ramping up for this 2023 season. But, uh, yeah, he talked a little bit about the quarterbacks. He talked a little bit about his foundation, Um and a little bit about his Italy trip, actually, too. You know, there was a question about, you know, people were seeing you in Rome and what's that like? And he said, you know, that's kind of what the Alabama brand is now. Um, you kind of go worldwide and you'll see people. And, you know, a lot of those people obviously were probably from the States and just on vacation in the summer. But, you know, he liked, he liked to talk about that a little bit. Uh, but just, you know, a low-key day for next save. And he, he showed up with Miss Terry and his kids and, you know, grandkids and friends and everybody was there for him. And uh, it's just a really great thing he was putting on. I think they're nearing $12 million um, of charity since he arrived in 2007 for Nick's kids. So just a great thing he's doing in the community and, um, you know, typical Nick Saban. He was about, about the same as he always is a little bit more happy, maybe off season wise. Well, Austin, we're going to hit on all those things, and I do want to know what he said about the quarterback and what he said about Italy, this, that, and the other. But I want to know you, Austin. I've only met you a couple of times, and, and I'm really excited to be a, a, part, a part of the team. I, I want to know you and kind of just get to know you, uh, you and hopefully we can uh, we can have a lot of fun here. So, Austin, you just graduated from Alabama uh, a year and change ago. Is that correct? Uh, no, less, actually. December, December 10th of 2022. So, there you uh, go. Yeah, I finished up in three and a half years at the Capstone. Uh, it was a great time. I grew up an Alabama fan. My dad went to school there. A lot of family members. Um, so it was kind of an easy decision for me. I took one college visit. It was to Tuscaloosa, where I'd already been, you know, hundreds of times for football games and basketball games and whatnot. But, um, yeah, yeah, just finished in December. All right, awesome. So you hit, hit a lifelong Alabama fan. Are you are you from the state of Alabama? Are you from the Yellowhammer yeah. State or somewhere, or somewhere else? So I was born in Montgomery. My dad grew up in Montgomery. He went to Jeff Davis High School. If anybody out here knows where that is, um, my mom grew up in Huntsville. 
She went to Grissom High School. Uh, she ended up being a Texas A&M Aggie in college, but my dad went to school in Alabama. And, uh, yeah, I was born in Montgomery. Moved to Knoxville, Tennessee, actually, when I was pretty little. Uh, lived there for five or six years, and then I moved over to Nashville, Tennessee, for high school and elementary school and middle school. Um, yeah, so so I, I was born and raised mostly in Nashville, Tennessee, but if you want to be technical about it, I was born in Montgomery, Alabama. So yeah. Okay. Oh, did you? Where did you go to school in Nashville? I, I know several of those schools. My high school played a lot of Nashville schools. Okay, I went to Chattanooga. Ravenwood. Okay, I went to Macaulay in Chattanooga. I think we did okay. a couple of soccer games or lacrosse games with Ravenwood. That sounds awesome. familiar. What's the uh, let's let's make you a villain real quick. At age uh, age five to six. What was the best thing about living in Knoxville? Not much. Uh, I mean, if you're, <laughs> if you're growing up an Alabama fan, right? I mean, you right, teased, right. You get picked on and teased if you're not wearing orange there, and um, you know, obviously Nashville's kind of become sort of an Alabama town. I mean, there's a lot of grads that live there now, and um, but Knoxville's not that way. Obviously, you're only going to get orange and white there, but um, you know, growing up around my great aunt, big ball fan, I went to some games at Nayland Stadium with her as a kid. Got to watch Tim Tebow at Nayland Stadium a few times. Uh, got to go to some Lady Balls games, see Pat Summit. She had season tickets to that. So I, I kind of grew up around a lot of that stuff, but you know, it, it never really changed, you know, what my fandom was at all. Never seeped in to take hold, probably because they were <laughs> no, my, my dad so would, much. My dad would never let that happen. <laughs> Austin, you're leading our football coverage right here on Bama Central, so we're uh, really excited to see, see you do, do that this coming season. What do you love about Alabama football? What, what drew you in a bit to, to Alabama football as a young child, and what continues to draw you in as a professional? Yeah, I don't know. I think just being a kid and, you know, my dad always took us, me and my brother, to football games and – um, it, it's interesting because back in those days, you know, when you're little and, you know, you wear a jersey to the game and you've got your shaker and you tailgate, you do all that stuff. You see the football players as like idols. Um, so we'd stand down on the fence there, Bryant Denny, and, you know, watch the quarterbacks warm up and watch the team run out. And everything's so surreal back when you're a little kid. And then now kind of being around it and um, getting to know these people and, you know, getting to meet people like Bryce Young and understand their personalities and, uh, it doesn't really change anything. I think you still respect, you know, the athletes and, you know, you kind of look at them as like, wow, these are like exceptional human beings that have great talent and um, it's a joy to cover them. I mean, it is, you know, that's why I went to school and did what I did and graduated with a journalism degree. And, um, you know, I'm lucky to be here where I am at Bama Central getting to do stuff that, you know, as a kid, I, I would have never believed I've got to do. Well, Austin, I really appreciate you jumping on and giving me some of your day so far. You can follow Austin on Twitter at AustinHannonSI as Texas A&M. It seems like they are getting on the board up there at Hoover. Texas A&M taking on Tennessee has a 1-0 lead, and it sounds like the uh, Aggies fans are getting after the balls. That makes me very, very happy. Austin, what did Nick Saban say about the quarterbacks this, this morning up at the Knicks Kids event? Yeah, like I said before, just really short, brief. He didn't want to talk too much about football. Um, he wanted to kind of keep his mind set on what he was doing today and, you know, giving back to the community and everything like that. But like I said, I mean, he said the competition is, is great. Uh, you bring in Tyler Parker, you bring in two four-star quarterbacks, you've got Jalen Milrow, you've got Ty Simpson. They're all going to be competing. Um, and I think that's a good thing for the quarterback room. You know, it's some schools don't have that pleasure where they can have five guys that can start on any team in the country and, you know, just throw any of them out there. But we've got five guys that are going to compete and play all summer and all, all fall, getting ready for the season. And uh, whoever comes out on top is going to have earned it because they're going to get a bunch of good guys in camp. And um, yeah, he was, nothing's been settled. Nothing's been, you know, there is no starter right now. There is no this and that. Um, but he wanted everybody to know that the competition's going strong. And by the, at the end of the day, the, the best guy's going to be decided on. Let's ask. Let me ask for some context because did, did it sound like did it sound like Nick Saban was justifying the decision to bring in Tyler Buckner? We haven't heard from Coach Saban since Buckner has come from the transfer portal, so there really hasn't been a chance to ask about Tyler Buckner. Coach Saban has been very vocal in the past, saying if we bring in a transfer, they're going to obviously have the talent to go ahead and play. We're only bringing in uh, transfers who will help the roster immediately, and so I, you know. It, it, it sounds like, and I don't want to mishear you, but it sounds like was maybe Coach Saban trying to justify to you guys the decision to bring in Tyler Buckner? Not necessarily that. He, I don't think he was really going to answer a question about, you know, why did you bring Buckner in? You know, what's the purpose? Is he going to be the start of that thing? 
But if you remember A-Day, um, when he talked after the game, it wasn't pretty, right? I mean, Jalen Bowden and Ty Simpson didn't play the, the greatest that they've probably ever played. Uh, it was kind of a gross day at Tuscaloosa and not a very pretty ball game. And after the game, he kind of said, hey, like, if we're in a position where we feel like we can make our football team better, we're going to do so. And, you know, a week or two later, they bring in Tyler Buckner, and it's like, well, it seems like a match made in heaven. You've got Tommy Reese who's already coached him before. He probably knows the playbook and everything like that. So he, he wasn't lying to us after A-Day when he said he's not against, you know, bringing anybody and anybody and everybody that can help contribute to make the team and program better. He's obviously going to do that. So, um, yeah, not, nothing much on that front today. But, you know, if you, you take it back to A-Day, that, that's kind of what I think he feels about Buckner. Cool. Also, I, I was watching on the social medias just as uh, things were getting going up there at the Mixed Kids event. And Coach Saban's out there giving Kool-Aid McKinstry some golf lessons. Now, I don't know how experienced Kool-Aid is at golf, but we all know Saban's uh, love and, and really affinity for the game. What do you think that golf lesson goes like, Austin? <laughs> I have no idea. I, I, I can't even tell you if Kool-Aid's probably picked up a golf club before. Um, but, you know, he likes to have fun with his players. And I think that's what draws so many groups and so many people to next game in, in Tuscaloosa because the person he is, you've seen him have fun out in the lake with the with players and, you know, kind of introduces guys to different things that maybe they haven't experienced before. But uh, very funny that he brought in Kool-Aid. And, um, I, think, I think he's liked Kool-Aid ever since he recruited him. It didn't seem like, you know, a big match made in heaven with Nick Saban and Kool-Aid McKinstry, two personalities. But uh, I think they've, they've kind of meshed as, as Kool-Aid's gotten older. Nick Saban's like his talent on the field, and he's going to be one of the best cornerbacks in the country this year. So uh, might, might as well try to get him some golf lessons as well. Makes me think back to uh, Kool-Aid's freshman year, walking at, walking on A-Day. Kool-Aid, don't walk on the dang field! Just yelling at him, uh, getting after him. Uh, Austin, are you a big golf guy? You enjoy enjoy the game of golf or, or not so much? Where, where, do you, where do you stand? You know, it's, it's a love-hate thing because the game's so hard, right? And so when I get out there and I'm able to play – Maybe three times a year. I'll give you guys that. It's nearly not nearly enough. My grandparents play every single day, um, and, and every single day, religiously. And they always ask me if I, every time they see me, they ask me if I've played. I'm like, not really. I've probably played three times in the last year and probably, saw, probably shot a 120, 130 every time. So it's not fun when you're not playing well, but it's definitely something to do with people. And uh, I think golf is really a, a thing that you can kind of, as you see it with business meetings and whatever. Uh, I think that you can do and, and have fun with people and kind of get to know people while also kind of doing an event. It's like going bowling or going to see a movie or, you know, just, it's just something to do. Some people do it for sport and some people are really good at it. You know, like we just kept going. We saw the PGA Championship last weekend. I don't know if you know this, Austin, but future governor of the state of Alabama, Will Miller, actually uh, is a scratch golfer. That is not a fact, Joe. Oh, no. That's what you told me at our last job. Did you lie to get the job? No, I've never claimed to be a golfer. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, maybe I'm telling the white lies here. I could oh. be in the future if you got more of those old colony passes from the last show, Joe. I'd go play on those, but I have never really swung a club outside of top golf. I, I, I think it's going to take a lot more than a few uh, a, a few passes to, to learn the game of golf. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still learning. I'm in the Austin camp where I play – uh, well, I don't play. I play more than you do, Austin. But my scores sound about the same. One fifteen. That's about where we're hanging out. So uh, I, I love golf, but terrible at it. Terrible. I love. I would love a lesson. Who would you rather have a lesson from? J.C. Well, Justin Thomas, or Nick Saban? I feel like Nick Saban would be a little too harsh. Um, I'm going to say Justin Thomas. I, I like his vibe. I think his age is closer to mine, so maybe we could be a little bit more. Uh, relatable. Uh, plus, he's probably the, he's obviously the best of all three of them. So, yeah, I'm gonna go with Justin Thomas. Will? Uh, I agree. JT's got two majors. Hard to argue with that kind of a result. Thought I'd see him play better this weekend, just because the PGA Championship is kind of his thing. You know, he's won those are the two he's won in his career. But I guess it wasn't to be. Brooks Kepka really came out with a vengeance after his. We'll call it a uh, we'll call it just a bad day at the office uh, on Sunday at the Masters. So oh, he... Will, you can call it a choke. He self-identified it as a choke. He <laughs> said, "Oh, there's not. Oh, I don't want to say that, but there's not much else to define it other than a choke." Yeah, it's it wasn't great. It wasn't great, but you know what? That's he came out with a vengeance, like I said, and just got the job done. But. Justin was the reigning champion going in, and there's not many guys that can go into a major and say I'm the reigning champion. So, yeah, Justin's my pick. 
Let's head back to Austin real quick. And Austin, we, we already ba- bothered Will Miller about the SEC tournament and kind of what we're going to see today. But I, but I want to hear from you because we're talking about Hunter Furtado. We're talking about a, kind of putting a bullpen game together for the Alabama Crimson Tide. You've got a hard matchup with the Kentucky Wildcats. I, I think that uh, I, I think that you know it's not going to be very easy for Alabama. What do you make uh, of Alabama's chances to advance to the double elimination portion of the SEC tournament uh, this afternoon? Well, uh, the butterflies are going to be there. Um, I think every team that's here in Hoover today that has to play in these first single elimination games are, is feeling that. Um, as I think Texas A&M's winning this game already, Tennessee's probably already feeling it. Um, I, I've mentioned it a couple times this week as like the old, not even very old, a couple years old MLB wildcard scenario where you kind of go in and you've got nine innings to continue, not necessarily your season in this case, but um, your, your tournament appearance here in Hoover. And uh, we're all excited about covering this event, me and Will, but you know, it could all end in just about a few hours. So uh, they got to come out, and Hunter Furtado's got to do what he's got to do. He's got to go out there and throw three or four good innings um, and then kind of get it to the bullpen, get it to Hagen Banks, get it to Cade Woods, maybe Alton Davis at the end, and, and try to continue this thing and, you know, then play with free money against Florida tomorrow if you get there. So um, it's just – it's 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 I think it's an awesome setup because, you know, it puts so much pressure and, and so much excitement into the first day. But, you know, to get into, like, the real SEC tournament, you got to win today and – uh, then you got two losses to play with the rest of the way. But, yeah, the lineup's going to be there. They've been there all year. They've got one to nine good hitters. Um, so if they can put up enough runs, I think Furtado can get the job done for enough time early on in the game where they can get this thing over to the inexperienced but talented bullpen that we've seen develop over the year. Well, I'm really excited to see it today. You'll be able to see it, see it on the uh, SEC Network, and we'll be able to follow it. Austin's going to have our, our, our live blog update for Bama Central Network at BamaCentral.com. Uh, you can follow along if you are able to see the game. You're probably working or finishing up your day at work. You'll be able to keep up with Austin's coverage. Austin, the whole conversation over the week has been, will Alabama do enough this weekend in Hoover to host a, a, host a regional next week in Tuscaloosa? Yeah. This is, this is kind of a – you can relate this to football and basketball um, seeding and, and getting into the college football playoff when you come to a scenario like this where coming into this tournament, the committee – not necessarily the committee, but D1 Baseball, who has a very good grasp of the sport, um, has been really the, the, the flagship of college baseball coverage ever since I've been alive. Um, they're usually pretty spot on. And right now they've got Alabama as the number 14 overall seed. They've got them as a host. And do you, is the SEC tournament free money? Is it – you know, you win and you can improve yourself. If you lose, do you knock yourself out? Um, but I think being in Hoover is an accomplishment in itself. I mean, not everybody's here. Obviously, the last two national champions of the sport are not here in Hoover. Um, and so it's not easy to make. I and mean, Alabama baseball fans know that for years, in recent years, this has not been something that's been easy to come to get to. So the fact that they're here, um, I think, is already a plus. I understand that if they lose today, that you could definitely drop them out of the hosting. Um, but I, I, I would, I'm interested to see how they would handle that if they were to lose. I think a win and you're in. Um, I think if they get past today, get past Kentucky, that's another good win on the resume. That would move the RPI up a little bit more, which right now is at number 12. Um, it was at number 10, and then a sweep over Ole Miss actually, believe it or not, dropped the RPI two spots just because of how poor Ole Miss' season has been. Thanks, Rebels. Uh, <laughs> so thanks a lot for that, Ole Miss. But, yeah, I, I still think they're in a good spot. And I've been telling people today, I, I'm fairly confident in Alabama's ability today. I think – they're playing better baseball right now than just about every team in this conference. Um, take away Florida and, and maybe, you know, <laughs> LSU's kind of going down too, though. So Florida and Arkansas are obviously the probably top two premier teams here this week. Um, but it's an open field, and I think Alabama can make a run. And it obviously, like I said, it has to start today. But uh, I think one win, you're in. I think one loss, it's going to be really close. Uh, the committee's really going to have to you know, dive into it and look at Alabama's resume. But I think one win, you're in. Two wins, it's guaranteed. Um, and that second win could come either against Florida or the loser's bracket. So it doesn't really matter. It's about getting past today and in, into the double elimination round. All right. So my amateur college baseball mindset has heard or has been following, oh, my gosh, SEC has already got so many teams in the upper echelon. Alabama is going to get kicked out of hosting because the other teams in the league have had such strong seasons. Is that going to be taken into, a, uh, taken into account from the committee when they decide where these sites are going to be next week? It hasn't. It hasn't changed anything in the past. I mean, they, they've never been shy about um, allowing several SEC teams to host. Um, I know that that's always a big talking point. And uh, the college football playoff is, do we want more SEC teams in? Are they the best team? Maybe. But do we want to have three SEC teams in, of the four in the field? So 
college baseball is not that way. I, I, we've seen years after year that there's just multiple hosts from the SEC. This year, it's looking like we could even get up to nine, um, which is just crazy. If Kentucky, Alabama, and you know Texas A&M was on the, the bubble, they were kind of in there, out there. They had a bad finish to the season, got smacked around by Alabama a little bit, so they're probably out of that conversation. But, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's not going to be – because other teams got in that Alabama didn't get the host. I, I don't think that the committee is going to have any kind of negative mark on the SEC. If anything, I think it's a positive mark that Alabama was a part of the by far strongest conference in the sport. I mean, every single weekend, Jason Jackson said it yesterday, they're playing a top 10, top 15 team in the country. At home, on the road, doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's the best baseball in the country. It's right here. Um, and I really like the way he said yesterday, that it's just kind of all the best programs in the country are right here this week. So uh, me and Will are definitely getting a treat. Yeah, I'm very excited for you guys up at Hoover. I, I think the SEC baseball tournament is one of the best events the SEC puts on. So I hope you guys are eating your fill and enjoying your time up there because they usually put it all out there. I, I'm, I'm a little jealous of you guys. Let's spin it real quick because we only have a little bit of time left. Let's spin it to basketball. Oh, my gosh. Break my heart. Oh, break my heart last night. Charles Bediaco, news coming out that Charles Bediaco, angry Chuck, is going to forego his last little bit, his two years left here in Tuscaloosa and stay in the NBA draft. Okay, all right. Um, Will, I'm, I'm, I'm unmuting you because I'm going to go cry. What in the heck are we going to do without Charles Bediaco? Well, well, one of the big questions of this offseason, which has been fairly turbulent, was – what is the fate of Nick Pringle? Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? A lot of guys have taken the go option, uh, but he stays. It's going to be an increased role for him. He played great. It's no secret. He's one of the hardest working guys on the court whenever he's out there. He put up, had to be up there with the team leaders in blue collar points last season, even though at times he didn't start. He, he can fill – he can fill different roles, but he can fill that role too. He can be a real physical player, play hard, play physical. He gives that effort. He he'll be angry too. Talk about angry Chuck. You get you got to be angry sometimes in the SEC, but I think Pringle can do that. He came from a really good mid-major in Wofford. That's you know been a an under the radar mid-major basketball program. So no doubt he honed his skills over there. Came to Alabama, and like I said, he endeared himself to a lot of people. So. I think he's going to step in if he stays. He's going to step in and, and really be embraced as, once again, a fan favorite. And he's going to up his game. He's got more experience in the SEC now. So I think there's nowhere to go but up with him. And he's going to be a big part of this Alabama team next year with this decision by Mediaco. Fix that. But 100%. Uh, but, but, but Austin, with – that being the case, what do you think Charles would have heard from these NBA scouts to, to 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 encourage him to stay in the NBA draft? Because we weren't hearing first round, we weren't hearing lottery pick for for Charles Bediaco, and I'm not sure that he even got that feedback. What 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 would he have got? What would he have heard from scouts and agents to encourage him or solidify him in the decision to to stay in the NBA draft pool? I mean, it must have been something. You know, it's something positive. I mean. Whether they said, hey, you're probably going to get a second-round grade. Hey, you're probably going to get maybe signed after the draft to a G League roster. And next thing you know, you, if you work hard there, Dante Hall showed that in the past. You get on an NBA team. Um, so is that worth foregoing another year in college? To him, maybe it was. And so, you know, couldn't happen to a better guy. I mean, getting to kind of know Charles over the last season and um, just the guy he is and how t- – interviewing him is a, is a, is a treat just because how tall he is. And I'm about – to his mix, mix my head, the top of my head. You're not short. I'm You're not short. No, but he's still got a whole. I mean, he's seven feet. I'm, I'm, I'm six feet on a good day. So he's still got a whole, whole ruler's length, a whole foot on me. Um, but yeah, a great guy. I mean, the, the scouts that were in Nashville for the SEC tournament, the scouts that were in Birmingham and Louisville for the NCAA tournament saw exactly what they needed to see for him to get at least, you know, some kind of positive reinforcement. Um, I was a little surprised. I, I thought that this was going to be one of those things where. He goes and, you know, checks it out, and they say, hey, maybe another year if you can perform like you did at the end of last year, you're going to be all set. Uh, he'd come back and have a great year and lead this team and be one of the leaders on the team. So um, I think that's what we're still going to see with Mark Sears. I, I, don't, I don't think he's going to get a draft grade that he's going to be comfortable with to leave um, unless he transfers, which I, I can't see that really either being an in-state guy and having the year he did. So uh, good for Charles. I mean, great season he had last year. 
he really, really grew his game from as a freshman until last year. Um, and I'm excited to see wherever he goes. So how does where, where does Nate Oates and his staff pivot? We still have one open open coaching position, which I believe will get filled in the next month or so. But where do we fill? How, how do we re pivot with the loss of Charles Bediaco? Papacante Papacante just committed to uh, to to Pittsburgh in the last day or so. Six foot ten, uh, four star four star forward. So that seems like that option is gone. Is there any way we can talk Papacante out of going to Pittsburgh, or is there any recourse? that Nate Oates and company can uh, can do to fill the front court need. Yeah, we'll see. You mentioned one open coaching spot. They got three open player spots. Um, so that gives you a lot of room to improve your team over the next few months and kind of build that roster for next year. But, yeah, like Will said it's been kind of a tumultuous offseason. It's not every offseason. I mean, Nick Saban's used to this, right? He's losing every single one of his staffers um, every season. But that's tough for a college basketball program. I mean, and this is a program that, you know, those guys helped Nate Oates build and, uh, now that they're not there anymore, it's going to have to be kind of start overtime. And you, you lost Brandon Miller, you lost Noah Cloudy, you're losing Charles Bediaco, you might be losing Javon Quinter. I mean, this is just about every single thing that made this team go last year. It kind of seems like it's going to be gone next year. So we're really going to find out, you know, about Nate Oates' coaching ability and what he's able to do and uh, where he's able to take this program. But I agree with Will. I think Nick Pringle's the key. Um, I, I'm not uncomfortable with him being the starting five next year. I think. He's got a great athletic build. He's been great on offense. He, hit, he hits the glass hard. He just needs to get better at positioning on defense and, and being in the right spot and picking roles and, and stuff like that. But he's a good player. He's a talented player, and, and he showed this year that he's more than capable of stepping into that role than needed. So I'm not hearing Final Four, sadly. <laughs> because I was on the train last year. I was, I was leading. I was in the front leading. Will, come on. Can, can I get my seat back? The final four or bust? Come on, Will. We can do it with, with, with Nato. He's going to fill the three position with what? Michael Jordan, Sean Bradley, like, you know, some, some real nice players. Come on, Will. Final four for the tie, right? I mean, you guys know me. I've been on the Nato hype train since he was at Buffalo. I've believed in him for a long time, and I believe he has the chops to lead Alabama to the final four have a very talented roster. He's proven he can recruit. Recruiting his – I mean, if you think about 10 years ago when, you know, me and Austin were kids and the recruiting alone was one main aspect that was nowhere near what it is now. You're bringing in new talent. You're developing the talent you do have, case in point, Bediaco and Pringle. It is a possibility. And basketball is – Don't tease me like that, Will. What? Don't tease me like that, Will. There's a lot that goes into basketball. I mean, you can see Alabama was the number one overall seed in the tournament this past season and got bounced in the regional semis. So it's not necessarily that you win 30 games and then you're going to coast the national title, as you saw, but also, as you saw with Auburn back in 2019, you know, high middle of the pack in the SEC, went on a run in the tournament, and all of a sudden they were right there. So there's a ton that goes into basketball that you really can't predict. Well, guys, it's been a, a fun hour here on the Joe Gaither Show on Bama Central, part of the Bama Central Network. I'm so thankful for Will Miller and Austin Hannon joining me in, in during this time. Those guys are going to have a lot of fun up at the SEC tournament. Austin, why don't you tell the people how they can connect with your with your coverage? We're going to have you're going to have a live blog when Alabama gets started against Kentucky, and tell everybody where they can find you on the Twitter machine, man. Yeah, it's going to be right there on your front page of BamaCentral.com uh, when the game starts. About probably about 30 minutes before. You're not going to be able to miss it. It's going to say live updates, Alabama baseball, the SEC tournament. Uh, me and Will will both be contributing to that. We'll both have stories after. We'll both have video after. It's going to be the whole package. Um, so follow it along there. Um, you know, we're open for the best. I mean, it, if things go well, this is going to continue throughout, you know, at least some of the rest of the week. So um, big nine innings coming. If you want to follow along on Twitter, I'll also be there. Austin Hannon, S-I, like you said earlier, A-U-S-T-I-N-H-A-N-N-O-N-S-I. That's it. That's all I got. That's my, that's my feel. You the man, Austin. That's Austin Hannon leading all of our baseball and football coverage right here on Bama Central. Excited to have him joining the show as a regular member. Will, tell everybody about what you, where they can find you as you will also be putting out uh, content and coverage for BamaCentral.com. Yes, I will. I'm with Austin all week. As, as long as this thing goes, I'm, I'm here. I'm excited to be here providing. I'm going to be writing. I'm going to be writing in companionship with Austin. I'm going to be writing sidebar pieces, feature type pieces, 
any content that kind of goes between the lines on what happens in the game, you're going to see that from me. You can keep up with those. I'll be tweeting them out all week on my Twitter, which is at RealWBMiller, as well as Instagram. And you can find both those links on my author page on BamaCentral.com. So I'll have a lot of interesting and exciting content coming this week as will Austin. So you won't want to miss any of it. Well, guys, I hope you guys have a lot, a lot of fun up there in Hoover. Uh, selfishly, hope you guys have a long week up there in Hoover so everybody can be celebrating the Tide success as the train keeps rolling for Alabama baseball. That's going to do it for us on the Joe Gaither Show on BamaCentral.com, a part of the Bama Central Network for this wonderful Tuesday. We'll be back with you tomorrow at 1 o'clock, and hopefully we will be reporting and talking about an Alabama win over the Kentucky Wildcats and kind of talking about Alabama and Florida. So uh, it's going to be a, a great rest of the week right here on BamaCentral.com and right here on the YouTube channel at Bama Central. So for Austin Haddon, for Will Miller, I'm Joe Gaither. This was the Joe Gaither Show. Another day in the books. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Roll Tide, everybody.